Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network on Yahoo Sports Radio. Well, our next guest knows what Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota went through last week. Having just turned 21, Drew Bledsoe came the first overall selection in the 1993 NFL Draft when New England chose him over Notre Dame quarterback Rick Meyer, a move that quickly paid off. In only his second NFL season, Drew Bledsoe led the Patriots to the playoffs for the first time in eight years, and two years later had them in the Super Bowl en route to becoming the youngest quarterback to throw for 10,000 yards. Also, after suffering a life-threatening injury early in the 2001 season, he came off the bench in the AFC Championship game to throw the game's only touchdown pass, lead the Patriots to an upset win over the Pittsburgh Steelers, and a place in Super Bowl 36. When he retired in 2007, after 14 seasons, Drew Bledsoe ranked 5th at all-time completions, 7th in passing yards, and 13th in touchdown passes. As a four-time Pro Bowler, he's gone on to run a successful winery in eastern Washington, and he's created his own investment company while keeping his hand in the game as an offensive coordinator at Summit High School in Bend, Oregon. And now he's with us. Drew Bledsoe, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Nice nice intro. I appreciate that. I might need to hire you when I, when I go on the road selling wine, man. <laughs> I'm available. There you go. You know, uh, Drew, as Clark mentioned, like Winston and Mariota, you and, and Rick Meyer were, were locked in this sort of competition, not of your own making, to become the number one pick. And I'm just wondering, as a 21-year-old, barely 21, how stressful was that to cope with, and did the two of you become closer or, or more rivals because of the kind of unusual bond you had? First things first on the on the stress on the stress side, you know, I, I don't remember it being a stressful time at all. Quite honestly, you know, I mean, it was it was realizing a dream. You know, shoot, man, we, you know, we all go out and throw the ball around at recess and dream about playing in the NFL, and uh, knew that that was going to happen. So I don't I don't remember that as really as a stressful time at all. It was it was kind of crazy. I mean, you know, I'm a kid from Walla Walla that that uh, that went off to Pullman, Washington, in the wheat fields, and, and next thing you know, I'm being thrown into uh, you know thrown into this big wide world. But I just I, I remember enjoying a lot of it. Uh, secondly, with with Rick and myself, the the, uh, the media really tried to turn us into rivals, and uh, worked pretty hard at that quite honestly but rick and i the first time we got together we went out to new york to spend some time with joe theisman and do an espn piece and got to spend some time together and discovered we had a ton in common became friends then and have uh, have been friends ever since and, and our families hang out together so that, that ended up being a great relationship joe you were barely 21 when you traveled 3,000 miles across the country different culture different town to be new england at first overall pick was that being the first pick more of an honor or a burden? Oh, it was definitely an honor, you know. And, and I went in, you know, eyes wide open. I had I had uh, some good advisors, and I, I learned a lot from watching other guys. That, and I knew it wasn't going to be just smooth sailing. And then when I got to Boston, uh, and all of a sudden discovered that uh, that sports took on a whole new level of importance when you're in and around the the, the Boston sports fans, um, you know, that was a bit of an awakening. You know, growing up in the West, we like our sports and we cheer for our teams, but it's not a religion, you know, like it is, it is in Boston. And, <laughs> and uh, um, so that that was a bit of an eye-opener uh, when I got out there. You know, if you're going to play that, that position of quarterback, you have, to, you have to embrace all of that stuff. If you don't like it, if you don't, if you don't appreciate being on the hot seat all the time, then it's not the right job for you, quite honestly. And, you know, the rest of my life, I like to kind of <laughs> kind of fade out and just be one of the guys and and uh, you know now I like just being a dad and being a high school football coach but but during that time man I really embraced and enjoyed being the center of that whole thing when it came to football and if you're not cut out to embrace and try to enjoy that that side of it you know there's 
lots of other jobs you can do. <laughs> NFL quarterback's <laughs> not the right one. Well, following up on that question, Drew, and, and we're with former quarterback and, and number one draft pick, Drew Bledsoe, on the Talk of Fame Network. Following up on that question, Drew, is there any way the overall number one pick in the draft can prepare himself for what he's about to face? Oh, I don't think so. You know, I don't think you you, you, don't, you don't even know what you're getting into. You know, I, I don't think you're ever you know prepared for it. But the way I approached it, and I think the guys that have been successful in that position, the the, the way that the way that you do it is you just put your head down and go to work. Try to do the job of the you know the the football player job and make that the exclusive focus, and and try to block out the rest of it, and and you do your best at that, and then. You know, hopefully things work out for you. Um, I do remember distinctly getting to the end of my rookie year, and all of a sudden that season was over, and I knew that I needed to take a big, deep breath and kind of relax and reflect a little bit. So I actually got in my truck and drove across the country by myself, um, and it was really a nice time to kind of reflect and, and slow down for a second because I knew I needed that after that season. But yeah, it was it was crazy time. There's no there's no getting around that. I do distinctly remember some some moments in that rookie season um one game particularly we played the Steelers and I threw five interceptions and uh we lost the game almost won it at the end I, I still think if we had instant replay we may have won the game I think I scored but but uh I went and grabbed on purpose I, I, I kind of tried to stay away from the newspapers but, but that morning I went and grabbed the local newspapers I just wanted to see how bad it could be and I remember one of the sports writers I don't think it was you Borges because I still, still <laughs> I don't think so either I'll still take your phone calls but but I remember one of the sports writers wrote that it was the worst performance by a quarterback in the history of the New England Patriots. <laughs> and uh, so I remember reading that, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I've officially hit bottom. There's no place to go up from here. That's great. Uh, and then uh, went, in the, went in the next day, and, and it was verified by Ray Perkins, um, my, my coordinator, who uh, called me, and I thought he was going to kind of give me a hug and say, hey, kid, you know, it's going to be okay. And he sat me down, and he goes, Drew, you know what you were yesterday? I was thinking maybe inconsistent or, you know, whatever. He goes, you were awful. You were terrible, son. You play like that, we got no chance. <laughs> okay. All right, so here we are. We're at the bottom. You know, I'm 21, and uh, and I, I do distinctly remember, though, um, that it was it was kind of liberating. It was like, okay, well, I got all the way to the bottom. I survived that. Now now let's go see if we can get better. And ultimately we did. Well, I know it wasn't me who wrote that because I saw some pretty bad quarterbacking and you were nowhere near the bottom, that's for sure. Obviously you've got appreciation for you know what Winston and Mariota have been going through as the draft closed in. You know, what advice would you – uh, give any young player, you know, facing that sort of burden of potentially being the number one overall guy. Because, to be honest, um, I haven't been around many guys whose approach to life was sort of better suited to deal with that. I mean, how would you? What would you tell these guys if they were sitting in your living room? Well, you know, num- number one, you know, Ron, I think what they're going through it's it's different than my experience. You know, when I when I went through it, you know, there was no internet. You know, there were a very limited number of uh, media outlets. You know, there were. The, the local channels and ESPN, and that was kind of it. Um, so it's a different experience for these guys now because everybody's got a voice, and just Joe Schmo off the street can throw something up on Twitter or whatever, and all of a sudden it goes, you know, it can go viral. So it's, it's a different thing that they're going through. But the, you know, the 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 best advice that I that I would give them would be number one, surround yourself with good people. You know, surround yourself with. You know, it's important to pick the right agent, the right financial guy, and and uh, the right small group of advisors. Uh, to help you handle all of the other stuff that's not football related so that you can kind of, you know, you really want to try to eliminate as much as you can uh, in that rookie year in terms of distractions and, and uh, stuff off the field. 
And then the other the other thing that 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 I would that I would tell any of these guys that are coming in is that at least for your first year, but probably for your first two or three, just put your head down and do the work. You know, don't worry about being a media media personality. Don't you know? Don't take on a bunch of commercials. Don't do you know? There's some there's some simple things you can do to put some money in your pocket, but try to keep it simple. Try to just make it about the football at least for the first couple of years until you really you know have your feet on the ground. And once you do that, then you can then you can expand a little bit, you know, particularly in the off season and, and do some things. But early on, for multiple reasons, one of which being focus, and the other one just resentment of your, and, and jealousy on your own team. You know, you don't want to be the guy that's immediately the you know the big star until they until your teammates feel like you've actually earned the right to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just being the number one draft pick you know, really doesn't make you a a team leader or a. You know, you have to earn the right to be a team leader and, and be a guy that's respected on your team. So you just gotta you gotta put your head down and do the work first. Sure, the history of the first overall pick is quite checkered, especially at the quarterback position. Is it the psychological or physical demands that are the most difficult to manage and adjust to? Psychological, emotional, and intellectual, by far the hardest. If you're if you're talented enough to get drafted in that position, you know the physical side. You know you've got that. Uh, or you should have that at least. You should be able to, you know, to uh, to throw the ball accurately and with some velocity. Um, but in terms of, of it's, you know, number one, you've got to learn and digest a, a fairly complicated playbook that's different than what you were used to in college or high school. You've got to manage, you know, being in the huddle and commanding a bunch of guys that are grown men. <laughs> I remember stepping in the huddle with these guys that have, you know, they have families and kids and and. Uh, investment portfolios, and 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 I'm just this snot-nosed kid from you know Walla Walla, Washington, and I've got to be the one that's talking in a huddle, you know. So that's a big challenge. Uh, and then you've you've immediately got uh, you know millions of eyes on you watching everything that you do. So you know it's it's a it's a big job that's that's you know multifaceted and and um, can be really it can be it can be quite a challenge. But um, you know, like I said earlier, you have to embrace that challenge. And, and if you, you, know, if you do the, the football work first, the other stuff is a little bit easier. But you know, the physical side, you know, look, you, you know, if, you're, if you're that, if you're talented enough to get drafted there, you can throw it. And, you know, you have to learn to, to take a big hit and, and get up and keep going. And, and then you've got to you've got to be able to deal with adversity. You know, uh, one consistent thing about being the number one pick, particularly you know as a quarterback, um, you're going to a team that's not very good. <laughs> you know, they don't they don't hand out number one picks to the Super Bowl winners. You know, they hand them out to the worst team. <laughs> And so you're going to a team that's not, uh, at least wasn't very good the year before, and uh, you've got to uh, you've got to be able to deal with that adversity and keep learning and keep going forward, even though you know coming into the season that regardless of how well you play, you know you're probably not going to have a lot of success in that first year. I think you know Andrew Luck's kind of maybe the only guy I can think of that uh, that really had a great amount of success in that rookie year as a quarterback. The rest of us kind of took our lumps. Drew, we've got about a minute left here. We're talking to Drew Bledsoe on the Talk of Fame Network. And when you look back on your career, from the number one pick to being a Super Bowl quarterback to that near-death injury that I mentioned to, about, uh, and the two-year return and eventually retirement, how do you view the ride? I mean, was it what you hoped for as that kid in Walla Walla, Washington, throwing footballs in the backyard? You know, it really was. I, I, I enjoyed almost every second of it. And, you know, looking back on it, I think the things that I'm most proud of are the tough times. You know, because, you know, when things are going well and your team's winning and everybody's playing great around you and, and uh, uh, you're on top of the world, uh, that's that's pretty fun. But if, but if you want to be successful, you've got to be able to deal with the, the adversity. And if you deal with the adversity well, then uh, then ultimately, 
you know, I look back on it and, and I, I enjoyed the ride. Felt like I gave it everything I had, to, you know, all the time, and, and uh, I don't really have any regrets uh, about about any of it. Now, obviously, you know, would I've liked to have had more success than I had and won a few Super Bowls and so on? Uh, absolutely. Uh, but in terms of, of what I did and how I handled it, I don't, I don't really have any any regrets at all. Drew Bledsoe, we've enjoyed the ride, and thanks so much for joining us. And if you have time or the inclination, send a bottle of your wine to Ron, would you please? We need it to loosen up. <laughs> I mean, all that money you're making covering fights, Ron, I mean, you can buy a bottle of your wine. I know. Actually, I bought a bottle. My wife yelled at me, what are you doing spending that money? Thanks again, Drew. We released a cheaper wine, that, uh, or less expensive, not cheap. I never use cheap, but a, a value wine uh, that, you can, that you can get to now. Hey, I'm a value guy. You know that. <laughs> well, that was former NFL star Drew Bledsoe, now a little old winemaker. We're going to commercial, but stay where you are. This is the Talk of Fame Network.